0: or go to anchor.fm to get started.
1: On this week's episode in HerSpace. The
0: person experiencing the loss just needs the language to say, I'm experiencing a loss. And so even though today we are going through and we're saying this is what ambiguous loss is, a loss is a loss is a loss. And if a person is saying that they've experienced a loss, then just like you pointed out, the key is to offer that person empathy.
1: Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or even a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or if you feel comforted throughout the episode, lady, please leave us a review and tell us what we're doing right so we can stay on track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit herspacepodcast.com and enter your email address to get updates about our live events and all of the new beginnings that we have for this year.
0: Welcome to Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist,
1: and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey, lady, it's Terry here from the Herspace podcast, and I have some exciting news for you. I just published my self help book, How to Glow Up As You Grow Up, your go to guide for overcoming obstacles and making lemonade. So, if you've ever experienced loss, childhood trauma, a narcissistic partner, or depression, this book is just for you. If you visit glowupbook.com, again, that's glowupbook.com, you can order your copy today and you will surely be inspired. So I hope that you decide to join me on this journey, and I'll see you soon. Our quote of the
0: day, I wanted a perfect ending. Now that I've learned the hard way, some poems don't rhyme, and stories don't have a clear beginning, middle, or end. Life is about not knowing, having to change, taking the moment, and making the best of it, without knowing what's going to happen next t for me that quote perfectly sums up our topic
1: for today you know Mm -hmm. discussing ambiguous loss um it's spot on this is an amazing quote and you know what it reminds me of as you were reading it it makes me think about Remember the episode we did? I think it may have been like a year in review. It was the end of 2019 and I talked about this new perspective that I was going to go into the new year with where instead of thinking about the year as like everything's going to be amazing, I was going to be realistic and know that life is about cycles. Do you remember that conversation? It was like life is about mm-hmm. seasons. yeah, it's about seasons it's about cycles, so there may be loss there may be you know something crazy may happen and what a time to shift that perspective because we know that 2020 was a goddamn hell of a year, right? And so I think about this quote and it's like our life is about not knowing, having to change, taking the moment and making the best of it. And that literally speaks to the topic of the day. Like you said, wow. Is this a new term for you? Ambiguous loss or grief? Because this is a new term, although I've experienced it before.
0: So putting a name to it is fairly recent for me. But like you said, the experience of it is not new. So interestingly enough, the term was first coined by psychologist, Dr. Pauline Boss in the 1970s.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. And so she coined this term ambiguous loss because she was working with military families. And we know that Sometimes, like particularly like with PTSD, like a lot of psychological terminology comes from the work that psychologists are doing with our military families. Because just their experiences as a whole shed so much light on psychological functioning in general. Mm -hmm. And so Dr. Boss coined this term to kind of differentiate between Those feelings of not having any verification of the death of a loved one or not having any certainty that that person will come back or that they will return the way they left or how a situation used to be. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's to differentiate it from. Things that we have a clear definition of. Right. Mm -hmm. So speaking of it from like a military family perspective, you have if someone is off at war and they are killed in combat and their body is shipped back to the family and the family gets to have a funeral or whatever their religious practice is to. Say goodbye to that person, and they get to either see that person, or if maybe that person's been been cremated, they can interact with the ashes. Mm -hmm. But there's some concreteness with that closure. Some closure, Right. right? Yeah. But with an ambiguous loss, think about that family member who their military family member was killed in combat but they never found the body. Mm -hmm. So this family gets this phone call that their loved one was killed in combat, but they don't necessarily have to get that closure, that same type of closure because they don't get the person in the physical form. Mm -hmm. And so they're still grieving and that's still a loss, but it's ambiguous
1: hmm Wow. That's tough. I mean, my heart definitely goes out to folks that have had those experiences. And I'm looking at the list that we have of like types of ambiguous loss. You have immigrants missing home country, addiction, divorce, aging parents, terminal illness, incarceration, change in normal routine, i.e. COVID-19 and other uh-huh. natural disasters and pandemics. And then catastrophes like war, slavery, genocide, and again, natural disasters. And it's just like, wow, you know, many of us had those experiences, but it is really helpful to have terminology that kind of goes along with what you're experiencing because there is a difference, right? There's a difference between a loss where, and I say closure, I use that lightly because oftentimes when we experience loss, I mean, you don't always get closure, even though you have that concreteness there, right? Like even though you see a body, there's still levels to it. But I love this one sort of overview, Dom, of like ambiguous loss and the two types, just so we can kind of further understand, like, really means, right?
0: Right. Yeah. So the first one is when there's a physical absence with the psychological presence, right? So what this means is like the situation I gave with someone who is killed in combat, right? So essentially what we're saying is that the person is physically missing or gone, right? But psychologically, we are still left with the impact, right? There's still this this psychological presence. So other examples of this type of like, Physical absence that still has a psychological presence would be terrorism. If we think about what happens in other countries of, and some might argue to an extent happens here, ethnic cleansing and genocide, what is more likely for us to identify with here, more people can definitely identify with this here, is natural disasters, earthquakes. Flooding, tsunamis, right? Divorce, adoption, or losing physical contact with a family member or friend due to immigration, right? And so, what that really kind of looks like, again, is that the person or thing, because if we think about natural disasters, some of it is not necessarily loss of life for people, but It may be loss of their home. And so that person or thing is not physically there. But their presence Mm -hmm. is felt psychologically.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I'm really grateful for this terminology and the research done on this, because I think oftentimes when there is no language, it's hard to understand. Right. It's hard to have empathy. It's hard to be compassionate towards someone when you just don't get it. And so I love that we have language for this. And this takes us to the second type, which occurs when there is psychological absence with physical presence. And these are all just so tough. My heart, my, my, I feel like my heartstrings are just being pulled thinking about these because I know of personal experiences and things that other people experience. And so this second type of ambiguous loss, Right. This speaks of a loved one that is psychologically absent, right? So emotionally or cognitively gone, right? Or missing. So this occurs from Alzheimer's disease, other dementias, traumatic brain injury, addiction, depression, or other chronic mental or physical illnesses that take away a loved one's mind or memory. And psychological ambiguous losses can also result from obsessions or preoccupations with losses that never make sense, right? So, infant deaths, some suicides. I mean, this is definitely a heavy, heavy topic. And yes. I feel like, Don, we should definitely transition into story time because I know one thing about our podcast is like it does help to just hear other people, you know, who have coped with various losses, you know, or just various experiences that you, lady, can relate to as you listen to the podcast. And so, one thing that came to mind for me, Don, I know we're going to talk about a few instances. One was watching my grandparents age. Mm. So at this point Mm. in my journey, I don't have any grandparents left, which is like so heartbreaking to me because I was so close to my grandparents, especially my maternal grandparents. And I remember my grandmother, she was like, don't tell nobody, but I may or may not have been her fave. She was my fave. Hey,
0: I understand. I understand. You
1: understand? I can relate. You can relate because it's funny because some people like my family, they might listen. And but everybody knew what it was like. That was my girl. Come I was on, I baby girl. Come I was on, her baby girl. and she, my grandma, she she don't play though because she was straight up tell somebody like, and I'm like, oh gosh, I kind of didn't like that because you know people feel some type of way. But anyway, that was my girl, right, Lois. And so when I think about memories of my grandparents, right, I would always remind my grandmother about how when I was younger and I was living with my grandparents for a, a portion of my like adolescent years. I think I may have even been a toddler. She would watch stories and I never liked stories. I don't know if it's because I was like forced to watch it as a kid, but she would watch stories on the couch and I would sit behind her, like either playing with toys and I'd just be up under her. I know for some families, this might seem a little weird, but I used to sleep in the bed with my grandparents. I would sleep right in the middle and even into adulthood. Sometimes I would go visit them from like college and I would sleep in the bed with my grandparents and we would just watch movies. I was so close with them. And so for me, Dom, you know, as a young person, you often hear about growing up and you're like, oh, I can't wait to grow up. I'm so excited. But the thing no one told me about was as you grow up, so do the elders, so do your parents, so do your grandparents. And my grandmother was such a feisty, fun, independent woman, always driving around, always doing her own thing. And Dom, one thing that was so hard for me was watching her in particular age because she was always so independent. And over the past, after my grandfather passed away, she started losing a lot of weight, she got really sick. And I remember going home to visit her. And we would sit and we would chat, and I would do my, you know, record videos because I'm always trying to document moments. And I used to have this, like, this internal frustration because I could sense her like just disappearing. And I remember just like being so pissed off because I was like, damn, like she's so much smaller. She's starting to look different. And I was like, damn, like my grandmother. I never imagined a world with her like not being here, you know. And I used to always say to her, and she said, a lot of the grandkids used to say, like when we were younger, my mom, make sure. That you know, let me pray that I die before you because I don't want to live without you. We used to always, you know, say that like as kids, we'd be like, I hope I die before you because I do not want to have to live without you. Right. And so I think about the ambiguous grief of watching her deteriorate when I knew in my gut, like I need to go home more because she's not going to be here. And that's one of the instances that I think about as it relates to aging parents seeing her memory. Leave, like her asking me the same questions over and over. And I, I believe she was experiencing earlier dementia, but I'm not positive. But that was so freaking hard to experience and watch. What about you? Uh,
0: yeah, that yes, watching a grandparent age is hard.
1: And I think the thing is, I
0: think that's what makes it about like this and like makes it so ambiguous, is that you know that it's happening, but how we've been taught is You grieve the person when they're gone, right? Mm. And so we're not necessarily given that space to grieve or even think about it as loss because they're still physically present, right? Mm, That's interesting. Like I think about like, so my grandfather had Parkinson's and towards the end of his life he started to have memory issues. And I remember like asking, because at this point I was in graduate school and early in my graduate training and just like asking like, okay, are these like signs of dementia? Has he been diagnosed? And no one could give me like concrete answers, at least not that I'm recalling right now, right? But I can't even begin to imagine what that was like from, like I know what it's like for me to see it. But I can't even begin to imagine what that was like for my grandmother, who had known my grandfather since they were like late teens, right? Oh my gosh, wow. And so to spend over 50 years of your life with someone, I can't even imagine what that's like to be in that space of seeing, like remembering who they were when you first met. Right. Seeing how you grow and evolve over time. And then getting to this point where you see it, you know, it's inevitable Mm -hmm. that they are going to die because we know Mm -hmm. that we all will. Right. But because of their current physical and mental capacity or physical and mental state, you know Mm -hmm. that it's probably happening sooner rather than later. Yeah. And so it's almost kind of like do you get into a space of thinking about the loss or focusing on those moments that are right there?
1: That's so tough, right right? I will say I think that talking about it definitely helps, and like that was one thing I did with my grandmother. I remember visiting her and like crying about like the fact that I don't want to lose you, like I don't want you to leave, I want you to be here and be able to see me, have children and you know, all these things. And I think that talking about it is really helpful. And also, I don't know, Dom, I, I don't think there's a wrong or right way to do this, right? Whatever's going right. to work for you. thing. But I found that grieving the loss while also being grateful for the present moment, like, like I'm grateful that she's still here. Like I, I would say this in the moment when she was here. I'm grateful that she's still here. And I'm also grieving the parts that we no longer get to do. She doesn't drive anymore, right? Like I'm grieving right. that. I'm grieving While simultaneously being grateful, right? So it's definitely multifaceted. Any other examples you want to share before we dive into our tips?
0: Well, I think about not necessarily for me, but for other folks who are listening, I want to talk about addiction and divorce. Mm. Because I think that those are things that impact people in ways like long reaching, long lasting effects. And We don't acknowledge it as loss. Right. Right. So I think about particularly for children. Okay. you're in a household and you have a parent, family member, caregiver who has an addiction. And when I say addiction, usually I'm referring to like I'm generally referring to like some type of substance. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whether it be alcohol or drugs, this person in your life is you're experiencing that type two of ambiguous loss. Right. That person psychologically is not there, but they are physically present, you know, just thinking about. The negative impact that that has, Mm -hmm. like I couldn't imagine being a child in a home where my caregiver is physically there. Like I can look at them, I can see them, but mentally I can't engage with them. They can't provide me with the things that I need. So then I become a parentified child, or maybe I end up in emotionally or psychologically abusive relationships because I haven't seen what it's like to have someone be physically and psychologically
1: present for me, right? You're just going to tell my business on the podcast. I'm like, damn, Dom, you're speaking to me, girl. you your own point. This is the truth. It's the truth. And I'm sure you have your own experiences as us both being parentified children, but damn, Dom, this is deep. Right.
0: And think about it from oh. that perspective of as a child, Yeah, not necessarily having the language to express that that's what you're
1: experiencing. The language and also not being able to depend on the grown up that's in your life. Like, that's not a good feeling. And I remember, you know, dealing with that, like, right. Like, like wow. A- yeah, this is the person I'm supposed to depend on. And I know that they're not dependable. So that's a loss. Yes, there's
0: levels to that loss because it's like, like you said, like you're a child. So you're in that moment and you have this loss. Right. And normally when a child is experiencing a loss, who do they go to? So the person that they should go to to help them cope with that loss is actually the person who's causing the loss. Mm -hmm. So there's layers to it. Now
1: it becomes complex layers. And you know what it has me thinking about too, Dom? This is a little, a bit of a detour. You know, I like a little... Mm-hmm.
0: little yeah, Yep.
1: But no. I'm it, alone it, for the ride. Me, you're alone for the ride? All right, girl, let's go. It makes me think about how and I feel like this is a damn therapy session now, Dom. You got me on the couch now, y'all. She <laughs> didn't trick me onto the couch, y'all. So it makes me think about how when you... I remember being caught up in this dysfunctional cycle with my mom growing up, right? And mm-hmm. as of what we're talking about right now, and as a child, you don't have a choice, right? Right. So you're like, this is this is where I'm raised. This is the these are the parents I've been given. And so being in this dysfunctional cycle, and then thinking to yourself that this is how I'm supposed, this is what it like. You know, some people who have been abused say, well, this is what love is, right? This right. is what I'm accustomed. Mm-hmm. to. Good moments, and then it confuses you because you also have bad moments. But then it's a cycle of good and bad, and you're like, this is this is the cycle that it is. And then it makes me think about how we. Get into relationships, like you said, where we are comfortable with that cycle, that dysfunctional cycle of love and abuse. And then we may even behave that way in relationships because of what we've seen. But then also into adulthood, sometimes we'll continue the cycle and we don't realize that we have a choice now. And so sometimes you have to set a boundary and may have to in communication with your parent. Or parents, Mm -hmm. they're continuing to do that into adulthood because now we have a choice. We have power, right? That we did not have as children. So this is like, ooh, girl, this is deep. Yes. Yes. There are layers on this, right? I'm surprised that we didn't see abortion and miscarriage on the list. I know that there was infant loss, but I think about... No, that's real. That's that's an excellent
0: point because actually as you, this is how I I know that like, we just be in sync sometimes, right? Because when you were reading like some of the examples, when you said infant death, like I immediately thought about, yeah,
1: I didn't think abortion, but I did think miscarriage, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I was reading off the list, Dom, and I was like, oh, that's so crazy. As we began to read deeper into these, it made me think about, and I share this on the podcast about having a miscarriage. And it's like, that is the physical absence with the psychological presence. like it's very much still with you mm-hmm. after the loss. And I remember, in my instance, which I talked about on the podcast, I had so many feelings around this, right, trying to get pregnant for so long, and then having an honest moment with myself where I'm like, "God, so wait, you're telling me, this is the life that I have." I raised my younger siblings when my mom was back and forth to jail. I was like, I'm going to use the air quotes, a good girl, right? I was in school, I was focused. Now in a place in life where I am ready to have a child with my husband, I'm having a hard time. First, I was just like, okay, what is going on? Like, Why, why is this the hand I've been dealt? I was being honest, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. you got to lean into those honest feelings, but then getting pregnant, finding out the day after Mother's Day and the day before my husband's birthday that I'm having a miscarriage. And then my body is still producing all the pregnancy hormones, mm-hmm. knowing me knowing in my mind that my body is not aware that we're about to miscarry. So that just seemed like a very, it was a very, it felt like a very fucked up situation to be in. And I healed from it and I was able to, you know, turn that pain into purpose after feeling all those emotions and being honest with myself. But that is for sure ambiguous loss right there, right?
0: Ah, uh, but see, I, you know, I wonder if that would be ordinary loss. Mm-hmm. What makes you say that? And I want to be careful with my words. I think because they're, is concreteness and finality right so like you know that it's happening and you know the end is like you there's an end right and so I wonder if that is more of an of an ordinary loss because there's more concreteness to it if that makes sense
1: I don't know Dom I mm -hmm, go ahead
0: this you know, I think this is this is interesting though that we're having this conversation, yeah. you know, because then but then I also think about like sometimes with ambiguous loss, it's about the process leading up to it, right? So I wonder if mm-hmm. maybe it's the space leading up to it,
1: yeah,
0: is the ambiguous part, right? right? Because going through that process is it, it like you don't know for sure yeah. what's what's happening, like you know what the final step is.
1: Yeah. I would definitely say it's complex. I think it could be there a we go. It's complex go. for sure. Right? Yeah, I would I would say maybe a combination because I think there is an element of, was it ordinary grief? Was that mm-hmm. the term?
0: Mm-hmm. I think
1: there's, a, there's definitely an element of ordinary grief. I think what brings up the ambiguous loss for me is I'm thinking about type one, the physical absence, right? So there's mm-hmm. no baby, but the psychological presence. So still processing the psychological aspect of that. I'm like, I had a child. Why did this happen? Because there are no answers. You know, one of the things I was struggling with was unexplained infertility. So although the doctors, they did all the tests on both of us, they were like, y'all healthy. There's nothing going on. We don't know what's going on. We don't know why this is happening. So I think for me, based on this situation, it was that it was that psychological presence that was like still lingering because after the miscarriage, it's still like, okay, we still want to have a baby. So why isn't this working? Right. So I think it was more so the whole process of that. Just infertility in general. Yeah, but it's complex.
0: So that's why I would say it's complex, right? Because the infertility piece is ambiguous loss, right? Mm -hmm. There's no full explanation about the infertility. You know what it means, right? So there's a psychological presence there. But the thing with ordinary loss, and I I don't like that word ordinary, right? I know, right, right? It kind of it gives some a different value to it. That's not, that's not fair. Like, minimize, like Oh, it's just ordinary. Yes. 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 So, <laughs> but I think the thing with, if we're going to keep using that accurate, the actual mm-hmm. terminology, the thing with infertility, the combination of the infertility and then the miscarriage is that what we don't like with, or we didn't define ordinary loss, right? So with ordinary laws, there is the finality And you're able to grieve. Right. So I think that when the actual miscarriage happened, like having the actual miscarriage, that would be to me, when I step back and think about it based on the definitions, like that would be ordinary loss. Mm -hmm. But the combination of adding in the infertility. And the. Loss or grief you experience leading up to the actual miscarriage itself. The combination of it all, I think, makes it complex.
1: For sure. It's definitely complex. And I think that one thing I love this conversation too, Dom, because I think that this is a conversation where we can disagree agreeably because, Mm -hmm. you know, someone may be listening and say, well, I have this type of grief, but this is what it feels like to me because it's so complex i feel like there can be variations like it could be one of those situations where it's like a little bit of this a little bit of that i think the main thing for us to remember is that like it's it's okay to experience these things and to feel the emotions and like yes. go through it
0: and yes. it's important
1: to have it validated right so regardless of like which one you think it might be like the person that you're with the per- people that are around you they should be empathetic right they should be compassionate right. they should feel you on whatever level it might be But I think it is powerful to have language so that you can try to figure out how can I cope better with this based on what type of strategies right might be associated with each loss. Right. I think you summed it up perfectly. And I
0: want to be clear. I hope that I wasn't coming across as empathetic when you and I were conversing about this topic as you were like explaining your experience. And because I I want to be clear, that's that was not my intention. But if that was the impact.
1: then. I want us to fix it. Well, let me just say, Dom, you've been with me part of this whole infertility journey and you have been extremely supportive, (laughs) extremely empathetic. And no, this was great. I think this is a good conversation for us to have. And I think Mm -hmm. that there are times where one thing I love about our connection, Dom, and what we do on the podcast is that we've had an episode about conflict. This, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. categorize as conflict. We've had an episode about conflict. And I think that we do a good job of mirroring how you can have a conversation. And even though there may be a differing opinion, like it's okay, like that those can live in the same space. So no, I think you were absolutely empathetic. And I love that you shared your perspective when we were able to say, hmm, that's interesting, get curious. And like, yeah. I think I might have a differing opinion here, but at the end of the day, like we're getting the information out and we get to model how to have a good conversation when there is something that comes up where you're like, I don't know if I agree with you on that one. But this is still interesting to hear. And I'm glad to hear your perspective because, I mean, I'm sure you've had situations like this, down where you might share your situation or something about yourself and someone else may categorize it differently or believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, well I
0: wasn't going to share. I wasn't, I didn't have like an immediate example that came up, but I just was thinking about like just, yeah, just having your story minimized is problematic, right? And I think that. The biggest message that, and you pointed this out, is that the person experiencing the loss just needs the language to say, I'm experiencing a loss. And so even though today we are going through and we're saying this is what ambiguous loss is, a loss is a loss is a loss. Yeah. And if a person is saying that they've experienced a loss, then, just like you pointed out, the key is to offer that person empathy.
1: Yes, and I think because we're having, and, lady, I'm so excited that you get to be on this conversation. I think because we're having this conversation on the podcast, and because we're discussing this new term, that someone may listen and say, "Wait, well, Dom, I don't know. It felt like you know she was minimizing, but it's like, no, we're just literally having a conversation about these different experiences." And so, I'm glad. I'm grateful for you, Dom, and that you were like, "Wait, let me just make sure. Was I being empathetic?" And Make sure that my intent matches the impact. I think if this were like an everyday conversation, like, and again, Dom has been so supportive throughout this whole process with me, but I think if like someone were to come to me in real life and say like, oh, this is the type of situation I'm experiencing, even if I don't agree with it, I'd probably just be like, oh, okay. Sometimes it is important to kind of guide someone to something, depending on the relationship, right? Guide them to something that might be more suitable. But no, you did a good job, Dom. I think this is spot on. And I'm just glad that we have this space where we can have these conversations. (laughs) Yes, me too. Me too. I like and I I love how
0: we can authentically flow with it. Right. Because as we were prepping for this episode, like we didn't anticipate like diving in in this way. Right. Like I'm I'm sure, lady, as you're listening, sometimes you probably wonder, like, is the show scripted? No. (laughs) We 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 have we may generally have an outline of the things that we want to cover, the topics that we want to cover and the points that we want to make, but the actual conversation itself always flows naturally. Like when you're listening, you're getting that in the moment dialogue that we're having about the topic. That's right. So T, are you ready for us to dive into those tips on How to navigate and understand
1: ambiguous loss. I am. I'm excited. Let's do it, Dom. I think you should take the first one. What do you think?
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the, the first one is utilizing both and thinking. So, what that means is going the opposite of the black and white either or perspective, right? So, saying, okay, I can, going back to the example about like our grandparents, I can grieve that my grandparent is aging, right? I can mourn that I am potentially losing a grandparent and appreciate them while they're still here, right? I don't have to choose one or the other.
1: I can have both. And not beat yourself up when you have those feelings. I feel like sometimes, Dom, you know, in the moment, many of us, we might be like, damn, well, they are still here. So I should be grateful for that. It's like, yeah, you can do both. Okay. Right. Like, you can do both. At the Same damn time. It is okay. Yes. The second is set aside time to not think about the loss. I think that's an interesting one. And I think sometimes that's helpful to just like, set time aside. And sometimes the way I look at it, what I like to say is like, I'll write down whatever loss or situation I'm dealing with. And I sort of like put it on the shelf and I'm like, okay, we know we're going to come, we're going to come back to this because it's still very much prevalent. I'm still thinking about it, but for the time being, let me do something that brings me joy. Like during, you know, this time I purchased a coloring book. And so I'm like, literally I've sat down like a little kid and I've been coloring and it's been so therapeutic. It's been so fun. I'm still trying Good. to color the line. Oh yeah. I also got a yo-yo and some silly oh. putty. <laughs> I'm trying to get into with my inner child. And I feel like those are like just doing something that makes you happy. And in the midst of that and like knowing that, okay, I'll, I'll give myself space to come back to this. But right now I'm just going to do this other thing. Right.
0: Yes. Yes. Just giving yourself that space and being okay with it the next tip is to reassign family roles. And I think that you can look at that in multiple different types of ambiguous loss that someone might experience, right? So if we think about divorce, so parents are no longer living in the same household. So then what that means is things that one parent used to do, they're no longer in the house to do. So Let's figure out, let's have a conversation and figure out who's going to take on those tasks now. Right. Or, you know, we think about the aging grandparent. Okay, so the things that this grandparent used to do, who's going to take that on? Or maybe you're the person who has been the caregiver for this for this aging parent or grandparent and. You are needing more space to grieve. So then some of the things that you're doing may need to be assigned to other family members to allow you that space to grieve.
1: I love that. And that takes us to our next one, which is family therapy slash interactions. And I was trying to think of, you know how they say a family that prays together, stays together. I was trying to think of a real cool like slogan for this one. But the only thing that came to mind for me was a, a family that heals together, chills together. That was it. That's all that came up. But I'm basically saying, like, if you, you know, have these conversations with your family, I think it could be really healing for everyone involved, you know, because there are so many emotions that come up. And if we deal with it, of course, it depends on what type of family you have. I know there are some interesting folks in my family where I'm like, I mm do not need Mm -hmm. to do none of that because you just do too much. You know what I mean? But folks that are willing and able to participate in something that's productive like this. It could be really healing for everyone because many of us may be feeling the same emotions, right? And even if we're not, we can still hold space to have those conversations. So, family therapy and interactions.
0: Yes. And then that brings us to our final tip, which is engaging with your community or group therapy or group interactions, right? So, that may mean looking for a support group. And I know that. A lot of hospitals now offer various support groups for caregivers of aging parents, people with varying types of mental illness, people with cancer, people with varying types of terminal illness. And so, ladies, depending on the community that you're in, a local hospital could be offering that support space for you to be around other people who can truly identify with what you are going through. And I know that also a lot of hospitals offer similar spaces for children so that they can interact with people with their peers who may be dealing with with similar things. I love it. So should we do a circle back around? Yes, ma'am. So, tip 1 utilize both and thinking tip 2 set aside time to not think about the loss tip 3 reassign family roles tip 4 engage in family therapy or family interactions and tip 5 engage in community or group therapy, and interactions. Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the HerSpace Podcast. Do you have a burning question you're dying to get feedback on? Do you want an unbiased perspective on a situation you're facing? If so, visit herspacepodcast.com and click Ask Dr. Dom under the Start Here option. Every Tuesday, I'll choose a few questions and answer them at random. Thanks for joining us today in her space. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self help, advice, self empowerment, and mental health, but it is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today or contact your insurance provider.
1: If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HerSpacePodcast or check out our website at herspacepodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me. Although my plans may change, I will stay committed to my purpose. We'll see you next week, lady.